Hello, everybody. I've called today's sermon, Is It Okay to Be Blessed? And it's kind of, is quite nice that Stuart last week was talking uh, about, you know, asking big, go big, I think is what he said. And, and this kind of dovetails quite nicely into that. So I want us to look at two stories, which kind of, on face value, um, seem to contradict each other. The first story is the story of the talents, uh, the parable of the talents or bags of gold as some translations have it. And the second one is the parable of the farmer. So like in the first one with the talents, there was an expectation of growing riches and being productive, right? And in the second one, here's this farmer and he has been really productive and he wants to pull down his barns and build bigger ones to store all his stuff in. And so this got me thinking, why, you know, in one parable, uh, is investment and productivity acceptable and encouraged, um, only to be unacceptable in another parable? And so I wanted us to unpack this question, is it okay to be blessed? So I'm going to read from Matthew 25, verse 14. And I find reading quite, as a dyslexic, quite difficult. So it's all going to come up behind me on the screen. And forgive me if I miss out a few words, okay? Um, Here we go. In my uh, version, it says bags of gold, but in other versions, it'll say talents. So just wing it, okay? Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So the one with two bags also gained two bags more. But the man who received one bag went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle their accounts with him. The man who'd received five bags of gold bought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See here, take what belongs to you. The master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew I harvested where I have not sown. I gathered where I did not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. 
for whosoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yowzers, it's a bit hairy, isn't it? Okay, the next one is the parable of the farmer uh, and it's Luke 12, verse 16 to 21. So it's much shorter, you'll be pleased to know. Alrighty. So Luke 12, verses 16 to 21. And Jesus told this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I shall tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you've plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Take it easy. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who gets what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Okay, you can all take a breather. I've stopped reading. I'm certainly taking a breather for that's the worst bit for me reading. Okay, so I want us to pull out three points. The first point I want to look at is who owns all the stuff? Who owns all the stuff? The second point I want us to look at is what are we doing with our stuff? And the third point I want us to, to really give you an application and, and some things that you can take away with you and that is some keys to blessing. So are we good with that? Yeah. You still with me? Yeah. Brilliant. So who owns all the stuff? Well, I love that in Psalm 24, verse 1, we get a really, really, really clear answer. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. There's no ambiguity about that, is there? There's, there's no doubt. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. You know, God owns everything. And actually, we are the ones who are privileged to kind of be stewards of God's stuff, okay? He owns it all anyway. And sometimes we need to change and f you know, our adjustment of who owns all the stuff and keep that in mind that it's God that owns all the stuff. And anything we have that we get to use, it, it's a privilege. Think about your stuff for a minute. Think about the material stuff, you know. Think about, I don't know, the handbag you have. Uh, think about, you know, maybe, maybe the house you live in or, or the shirt on your back. We all have stuff, haven't we? It's a kind of part of the package of being human. There's stuff that we take along with us. And I want to ask you, are you honourable with your stuff towards God? Are you honourable with what's in your hands? Do the choices that you make with the stuff that already belongs to God, does it honour him? See, one of the things that um, you know, I would encourage you to do, or we, we, we do in this church, is, is what's called tithing. Now, what that means is that you give a tenth of what you have back to God. It's as simple as that. 
And I want to tell you, I have tested this principle over and over and over again. And you know what? You cannot outgive God. The more um, we give God, as, as you know, Nam and I give God as a couple, you know, the more God gives it back. And then we end up giving him more. And so he gives it back. And then, you know, and it just, it's, it's almost, it's kind of fun when you really enter into it. Tithing reminds us who owns us. Tithing reminds us of the source and the supply for everything in our lives. You see, in our story, the farmer, he'd forgotten the source of what was filling his barns. He, he says in verse 18, my grain, my barns, my bounty. I, uh, I started a business two years ago and um, I'm very mindful, you know, when you have, it's, it's my business, right? But one of the things that I started from the word go was, it may be my business, but God owns my company. And, and it, it, that has really uh, bode well for me in so many things. You know, if, I'm, if I work really hard and my business fails, it's not on me. It's kind of on God, and he's clearly, I'm barking up the wrong tree, or I've got some things that I need to change. If I work really hard and my business is a success, that's also on God, to him be the glory. But when God owns our company, when God owns the stuff that we do, whether that's an official business or whether that's just our day-to-day, -day, <coughs> excuse me, the pressure's off. You know, when you are surrendered to him, all your plans and all the things that you're, you're doing, it just takes the pressure out of life and it really helps. Beloved, think about some of the non-material stuff. Remember, you know, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, everyone in it. So think about all the stuff that you may not see that's so obvious that you are gifted. For example, the breath in your body. Now that's a gift. The fact that you've all been able to walk in here and walk out again, your mobility is a gift. Maybe it's just the fact that you have some dignity. I know certainly that was something I didn't have 30 years ago. That is a gift. Maybe if you're in pain, painkillers, is something that you have. And I wonder, do we sometimes, like the farmer in our story, do we forget this? So if God owns everything, does he own everything in your life or does he just own the little bit on a Sunday? Is he, are you compartmentalizing him? <coughs> what are we doing with our stuff? You don't have to look very far, church, to see a lot of discontentment in the world today. You know, the farmer, he was, he was discontent. The guy who had one talent, he wasn't satisfied, he wasn't content. In fact, you know, reading that, uh, some of the homiliticals that I was reading around this to prepare for this talk, were saying that he was actually jealous of his master. And he was begrudging that his master had 
any surplus in the first place. We need to get content. Happy people don't have the best of everything. They make the best of everything. And do you know what? To see if you're not content uh, without, you'll never be content with. Paul tells us in Philippians 4, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any circumstance, whether we're well fed or whether we're living in want. Beloved, we need to really get our head around this idea of finding our contentment in Christ of finding our stillness, of finding our completeness in Jesus. Because you know what? The truth is, if we are looking to external things to make us feel fulfilled or content or at peace, we will never be content. You know, in our materialistic society, we very much are uh, focused on having something to complete us. You know, if only I had a, a nicer house or a, a, a nicer car or a, a, a better spouse or, a, or, a, or a whatever, whatever, you, you, you fill in the blanks. But if we are looking to these things and, and when we think we find that thing, do you know what? I guarantee you, as soon as you get the thing that you think you want, very, very quickly, your satisfaction dissipates and you find yourself just wanting more. Sometimes focusing on what we want, it just leads to a greater sense of dissatisfaction and a feeling of lack in our lives. Studies have shown very robustly um, that it is better to give than to receive. Do you know that when you give, it actually blesses you back. I, I call it like the boomerang effect, but there's something that just blesses you, you know, to go and, and this isn't necessarily about, you know, giving somebody 20 quid here. This is about giving, um, you know, your time. Maybe it's about giving your, 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 your generosity of graciousness. Because the thing is that money is a resource for sure, but that's all it is. It's simply a resource, and an abundance of money doesn't make you rich. It just means that you've got surplus. And the question is, what are you going to do with the surplus? That could be surplus not just with money. You could have be one of these people that has exuberant energy. You could have a surplus of intellect. You can have a surplus in many different areas. And I want to read from 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 to 19. That's 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 to 19. And it says this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God, who richly provided us with everything for our enjoyment. Everything for our what? Enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up for themselves treasure as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of life 
that is truly life. Beloved, God has expectations of us when we have stuff and we've all got stuff. He expects us to do something with what we've got. What have you got? You know, maybe you've got creativity. You know, I love that, like, um, you know, people like Nicole and, and Alex and, and, and um, Chloe, you know, the stage is, is, is very minimal today, but very often the stage is decorated. And that, they're bringing that gift of just decorating in here to us. Isn't that, you know, we, we need to go up to them and say, love what you've done on the stage kind of thing. Because you know what? They've, they've done that as an act of, of blessing to us. Maybe your, your thing that you've got is, a, is, a, is, a, is a, a really good sense of humor. I don't know if you've ever met somebody that kind of can walk into the room where there's like a real atmosphere, you know what I'm saying? And then they can just like say something really funny. And like everybody just sits back and they can cut the atmosphere and it's just, there's no atmosphere, you know. That's a gift. Not everybody can do that. So think to yourself, what is it that, you, that you've got? Well, okay, maybe you've got extra money. Go bless somebody. Go, 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 you know, give in secret. By making the best of what we've got, we actually bring joy to the Lord. Do you know that? We actually bring him joy. In Matthew 25, verse 23, that we've just read, it says a number of times, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come, come and share with your master's happiness. Don't you love the idea of that? You know, the Bible also says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, I'm not one of these people. I don't have a lot of energy naturally. I really need strength. And sometimes just to know that the joy of the Lord, by, by just blessing the socks off the Lord, that's going to give me some strength. I think that's a pretty good exchange in my economy. God is a God of detail. He sees, beloved, he sees the little things that you do. You know, he sees when you don't uh, choose to gossip, for example. He sees when you're just magnanimous and generous uh, and don't judge. Or, or these things he sees. It says in Psalm 101, My eyes will be on the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. The one whose walk is blameless, who will minister to me. Can we get faithful in the hidden things? Can we get faithful and just bless, you know, because we are a blessing to bless. And this isn't a guilt trip anybody, but ask yourself, I'm asking myself and I preach to myself first, but ask yourself, am I being faithful with my stuff? Ergo, God's stuff, because he owns it all anyway. So I want to give us... Uh, what do I want to give? I want to give us five keys to blessing. Okay? If you want to see some more blessing in your life, I'm going to give you five things to, to really help that. And the first one that I want to pitch, and I make no apology for it, is tithing. I'm sure you've all read this before, 
but it always bears repeating because you know what? I want you to be blessed. I really do. I want you to know the blessing of the Lord in your life. Malachi 3 verses 10 to 11 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour so much blessing that there will not be room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines of your fields will not drop their fruits before it is ripe, says the Lord God Almighty. So guys, if you're not tithing, could I really encourage you to do that? Not because I want your money, not because this church even wants your money, but because I do want you to be blessed. And I want you to be blessed abundantly. And do you know what? God wants you to be blessed abundantly too. So my second key to getting blessed, can you check your attitude? You see, in the uh, parable of the talents or the bags of gold, however you want to say that, the third servant who had his one bag of gold, he had a bad attitude towards his master. He was begrudging and jealous. And he was like, I ain't doing anything for that guy. I'll stick it in a hole and here have what you, what's yours. I'm not doing you any favours. He had a bad attitude. He focused on the negative. And sometimes, you know, guys, when we focus on the negative, A, it blinds us to all the blessings that we have. But more dangerously, it warps our view of who God is. It warps our view, and our view can become like that one-talent servant, where we kind of get quite begrudging about stuff that we do for God. Or we maybe get, get, you know, really um, annoyed with God over various things. So we can see that in the farmer, his thing was, he was so self-absorbed, my barns, I've done all this. He forgot, actually it was God who made it rain and saw the sun sun to make and grew the wheat. So let's get grateful for the little things God has given us. Let's change our attitude and then maybe God will give you some more. When we really, church, get revelation of what God has done for us, He gave the most precious thing that heaven had. He gave Jesus Christ, his son, to die for us while we hated his guts. To die for us when we were his enemy. That's what he did. He gave everything. We didn't have to do a thing. And when you get revelation of this, your only response can be unbridled gratitude. It's like, whoa, God, you did all of that for me. Third key to blessing. Can we just lighten up? (laughs) Can some of us kind of lighten up a little bit? I know this world seems more and more antagonistic towards Christianity. It really can feel that way sometimes. And when it feels that way, sometimes we retreat into what I call black and white thinking. There are tick boxes And there are, this is absolutely wrong, that's absolutely wrong. So, for example, 20 years ago, 
for me to stand here and preach would be absolutely wrong, and maybe it still is in some people's books, I don't know. Um, that was a very black and white thing. And, you know, things are always changing, always evolving. God is always shaping and honing his church. So it's really important that we don't get, you know, really intense and legalistic uh, about what we have. Maybe in terms of being intense, um, <clears throat> some of us go down that route of being a bit judgmental. Or maybe we complain when things are unfair. Beloved, the reality of life is life is unfair. Okay? Nobody said that life was fair. And if somehow in your mind you've thought, but it should be, you're going to be disappointed. So don't do it to yourself. Life isn't fair. But we have God to help us when life isn't fair. And you know what? When things are difficult, I would rather have God in the difficulty with me than ranting and raving and screaming and kicking at him. When you're maybe being legalistic, an antidote to that is to, you know what? Mature your agape love. Pray, Lord, help me. I, I, I'm immature. I want to correct someone's theology. I want to tell that person I met at a cocktail party or, 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 or a, an afternoon tea. I just want to correct their theology. I just want to, you know. You know what? When you agape love people, you journey with them. You journey with them so they know that there is, uh, you've got their back. That if you speak a challenge or you speak something to them, they know that they know that they know you love them. And so they can maybe take the challenge. So it's really important to be mature in a gap they love. And if you're recognizing that you're not, just pray for this. God is lavish and generous. He'll give you that agape love. The fourth thing in terms of a key to blessing is we need to work hard. You know, it just life doesn't come to those who sit in their arse. We need to work hard. Work on your mission. Work on your gift set. You know, church, there's a real problem when we separate the secular in our life from the uh, sort of spiritual. It's all the same thing. So, you know, whether God has called you to be a teacher or a doctor or, you know, whatever, that's as much uh, of a significant thing as uh, being a pastor or a worship leader or anything else. You know, work hard. W. Collins Davies, who's a, a theologian, says, slothfulness in spiritual matters is a sin in the sight of God. <coughs> Excuse me. That really pulled me up short. I don't know about you. So it's kind of important that we work hard at what we do. It doesn't mean you never take a rest and you burn yourself out. Absolutely not. But you know, you get on with it and you crack on when you know there's a job to be done. And if you find that difficult, it can be really, really helpful to keep a kingdom perspective. Because when you are washing the dishes and you have a kingdom perspective, you can do that small job well to the glory of God. Yeah? When you are 
driving your car. Oh, thanks, Sandra. When you're driving your car, rather than shake your fist at the person that cuts you up, you can take a big breath and glorify God. So we can do small things well when we have a kingdom perspective. I really believe that these small things done to the glory of God are just like a credit in your spiritual um, bucket. And the last and final thing is invest in your relationship with God. And I've left this to last because I guess this is the most important thing. You know, guys, the only thing we can take with us from this life is our spirit. You can't take your designer handbag or shoes or your, your fast car or your house or anything else. All we can take is our spirit and what we've done as we've journeyed through this life. It's really, really important that we invest in our relationship. Because it says in, chap in verse 34 of chapter 12 that we've just read, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That means, you know, the thing that you love the most, you're passionate about, that informs your choices and the things that you do, that is what you're going to really, really treasure. And so we can only really be happy when we're right with God. And when we're right with God, even though sometimes things feel all wrong, there's a kind of groundedness that you know, well, Lord, even though I've lost my job, even though I've got a diagnosis, even though my family are nuts, you know, whatever it is, there's like a groundedness. But Lord, we're okay. And because we're okay, I have confidence that I can trust you in this. I have confidence that my prayers will be answered. I don't know how, but I just, I have a groundedness in this. And your heart is protected in that. So invest, be rich in your relationship with God. And there's another reason I think God needs us to be rich in relationship with him. Because if we are going to have material abundance, I actually think we need character for that. I think we need a wisdom and, and, and a humility so that we don't forget who owns all the stuff and a soberness of mind to navigate abundance. Clearly, our farmer didn't have that character. I wonder if God in his wisdom knows that maybe where, where our treasure is, you know, if we're putting him first, then we'll have the character for the abundance. Then we'll have the humility so we won't forget who owns all the stuff. We won't forget that we're meant to share, you know, when God blesses us. Luke 12, verse 30. This is my final scripture. Luke 12, verse 30 to 32. says, For the pagan world runs after all these things. Hashtag material things. <clears throat> and your father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom. And all these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Beloved, our God is a generous 
God. He delights in blessing his children, not just, well, there you go, there's a tenor, but lavishly, absolutely lavishly. So is it okay to be blessed? Absolutely. But let's make sure that we hunger for Jesus, that we hunger and seek his kingdom first and be generous with your resources, be that time, energy, money, humor, whatever it is, so that we will choose in the choices that we make to bring glory to God. And I'm just going to pray, and then um, Susanna's going to lead us in communion. So Susanna, if you want to come up, I'll just pray. <coughs> Father God, I pray that everything of you in these words would remain. Lord, and everything of me would just fall to the wayside. Holy Spirit, come and seal this word in people's hearts, that, Lord, it will do what it needs to do. And Lord, thank you for the privilege of being your child, and thank you for the very many and abundant and lavish blessings, Lord God, that you give to us in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs>